Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into a quiet place in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. Quiet Place is a new film from director John Krasinski, who also helped write and stars in the film, uh, alongside his real-life wife, Emily Blunt, and uh, their two, well, not their two kids, but the two kids in the movie, Noah Jupe, 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 and Millicent Simmons. Uh, Noah Jupe was in Wonder last year, Millicent Simmons was in Wonderstruck last year. So, uh, yeah, this movie is a new horror movie. Uh, if, I, I mean, it's a very simple premise. You have to be quiet. But don't take my word for it. For, I think, the first time uh, in the history of the Circle of Film podcast, I'm going to provide a clip from the movie. And uh, here it is. Wow, that that was something. Uh, yeah, so the movie is pretty terrifying. You know, it, it's it's it feels like the next. It feels like it follows after it follows uh, quite nicely. It's a very simple and straightforward premise uh, that doesn't require darkness to be scary. It doesn't require. Uh, you know, jump scares to be scary. It's simply the the terror is within, you know, the actions that the characters themselves are taking. So, you know, you happen to move, you know, get out of your seat a little too fast and the chair falls over and that could be the last thing you ever do. You know, that's that's terrifying. You know, there's there's so much tension involved in the most mundane activities there's a moment where the kids are playing monopoly and they're rolling dice on on a carpet and just like the if if they even if one die misses the carpet and lands on the monopoly board and makes noise that could kill every single person in the house that's insane that that's insane to me uh you know you can't possibly wrap your head around just how little leeway you would have in a world like this, in a place like this. And what's more, you know, it's not as though, you know, we don't ever see the, the world that they live in prior to uh, the invasion of these, these creatures that hunt by sound. We never see the you know, we don't get to see these characters talking to each other outside of uh, one scene uh, that takes place near a waterfall. So, uh, you know, it's 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 very it's a terribly quiet movie. There's very little dialogue. Uh, occasionally, characters will kind of 
barely whisper when they're signing at the same time. And other than that, you know, you get just emotion on faces and panic are the, are the uh, primary emotions of the movie. Which, in my opinion, services it incredibly well. And I think Krasinski created a fantastic horror film which is kind of crazy, you know, Jim from The Office, Jim Halpert, and yet this is a horror film, it's very unlike anything uh, else, and, uh, you know, it's the, I've seen another film of his that he directed um, called The Hollers from 2016, which is far, far less, uh, of much less quality than A Quiet Place is. Uh, his direction is fantastic. The writing is solid. It's not the best, um, but there's not really a ton of writing involved. I think the the plot of the movie and and the steps that it takes to put you into situations that you're uh, less than enthusiastic about being in, I think that element of the script is is really strong. But I think the dialogue, or at least what passes for dialogue in this movie, the signing, a lot of those things are, are very straightforward and things you would expect. But part of that is is kind of a strength, you know. This is a place where you don't have the time to get into a lengthy conversation about the weather or philosophy. You have seconds, maybe, uh, to to converse or or just to make a motion to somebody else before the worst might happen and for that reason you know you're kind of stuck repeating the same things over and over like be quiet no you can't yes i can no yes can i maybe please you know you don't get a lot of leeway in that sense so it it, it kind of hits both sides of that and then what's further you know the use of silence itself in the film is expertly done. I, I think uh, one of the my favorite silent film to be made post silent movies. Uh, you know, I think this is far better than the artist. I don't really like the artist personally. I think it's an okay movie, but I, I never really found any enjoyment watching that. This I like quite a bit. And I think it's great. It's uh, maybe not going to be in my top five at the end of the year, but at least based on you know my previous years and comparing the ratings and such, but it is certainly going to be in my top five for quite some time. And it's it's more than just a horror movie, you know, it, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it goes, it reaches the heights of Get Out, uh, you know, Get Out as a horror movie, even as a comedy, um, and then further as a, as a social and political statement uh, about the disparity between race and, and all of those other elements that Get Out provides and, you know, why it was such a huge phenomenon when it came out and why it became so impactful that it made it all the way to the Oscars, you know, A Quiet Place does offer us an additional layer to it. You know, it is not just a creature feature. It is more than that. It is uh, one of the plots of the film is that Emily Blunt is pregnant. And so uh, 
she and Krasinski are not only living in a world where the, a single sound could be mean the end of your life, they have two kids, a third is on the way, and they have to figure out a way to not only birth a kid in absolute silence, but raise a baby in absolute silence, which on the surface seems stupid. Uh, you know, why would you even bother? Why would you even put yourself in that position? Why would you make your lives that much more difficult? And I, I definitely have, have wrestled with that question in relation to this movie. Uh, my best answer on a, on a purely logic sense is that if everyone stops having kids because babies cry a lot, then that would mean extinction, right? Like, if we're not procreating, then there's not going to be anyone else if everyone dies of old age or, or monsters. So, at some point in this world, you would have to figure out a way to to birth kids and, and keep them alive and be able to raise them. Uh, and... You know, the, the, the steps and methods provided that the, the, this family attempts to, to utilize aren't bad. They're, they're fairly uh, in, innovative and, you know, under better circumstances could have worked. Uh, unfortunately, you know, things kind of go awry, as you might expect in the movie. But it's, it's, uh, it's, it's. It's a tough situation. And so the movie, not only through this storyline, presents that the film of itself as a whole is is far more concerned with, I think, parenthood than you might expect at first blush. It's not, you know, the, the main emotions in this movie are fear and anxiety and terror. And that is a feeling... And those are feelings that a lot of prospective and, and new parents go through daily. You know, it is a treacherous and uh, scary time in, a, in an adult's life when they have a kid. Uh, particularly their first kid, but I'm sure most kids, uh, every even subsequent kids after their first, to have to change your entire life and the way you live for this new being which in this film they because of these creatures that are living in the world they have to change their entire way of life they have light systems they have to collect sand to place on their paths so that when they walk and if they need to run they can do so relatively quietly they have to eat and drink and make food quietly you know there's a lot at stake here and those are things that that parallel steps that need to be taken in parenthood you know you have to adjust your life to the circumstances that you've now kind of created for yourself and that's a fascinating exploration that the film undergoes and I think, you know, you, you see in parts of this movie that everything is being handled brilliantly and that everything is under control. And, you know, this is, looks they look like they could be 
happy and content and pleased and, and alive for quite some time. And then there are other moments where you really don't think that's the case. Where And it's not even a fault. It's not even that they lacked the necessary precautions. It's not that they weren't taking the steps to ensure their own survival. It's that just silly mistakes, things that you cannot possibly predict, are always going to happen. And you can't possibly prepare for everything. Whether it's... Um, how, I'm trying to think of what I can say that doesn't spoil moments in the movie. Whether it's, uh, I don't know, whether it's just something falling off a table or knocking over a book or, you know, being frustrated, you know, when you get angry at another person and you're not allowed to scream, you're not allowed to yell, you can't throw things or break things, you can't let out your aggression. Like, that's a frustrating situation to be in. You know, like parent, and, and you know that's the same with being a parent. You can't just, when your kid's like three or four years old and you're upset with them because they did something they weren't supposed to, you can't, I mean, you well, I mean, you can, but you probably shouldn't just yell at them and scream at them and fight with them about it. They're three or four years old, so they're not really going to understand anything other than be upset by what you're doing. And in the movie, they don't even... They can't do that or they'll die. <laughs> and it's it's really traumatic. And, you know, we see it through Millicent Simmons' character, who in the movie and in real life is, is deaf. And so that presents an interesting wrinkle into the circumstances of the film because, no, she doesn't really need to hear anything necessarily uh, because no one's making noise. But that also means she can't hear the creatures she can't hear the monsters if they're nearby uh and as you see like they live on a farm obviously at some point the farm kind of becomes overrun with these things and that's not an easy thing to navigate if you're blind uh, if you're deaf meanwhile krasinski continues he's trying to like create a it's like a hearing aid to give her hearing but it, it Sort of doesn't really work. Um, not not really. So, the movie... I, I loved this movie. I thought it was great. Um, it's, it's a surprise. I remember hearing about it months ago, and I thought, well, this will be probably okay. And then, like, it kept getting closer and closer to being released, and the buzz just got bigger and bigger. It premiered at Espo South by Southwest, and the crowds there loved it. It, it got huge rev rave reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. And now it was projected to make like $25 million this weekend. It's going to more than double that, over $50 million for the weekend, which is incredible for an original horror film from a TV actor turned direct. Like, that. I don't know, like all these sort of things combine and you don't expect them to achieve what they have. And... I came away, you know, I think this is the It Follows of 2018. Uh, I think It Follows is a slightly better film overall, but I do think that this is a great one for sure. And 
that being like that being said, uh, I'm not going to do a statistics episode for it because there's there's so few names involved. It's a very small cast. Uh, you just have two parents, three kids, baby, and then there's like one old guy and old woman that are involved in a side plot sort of thing. So I don't I don't I'm not going to get super into it, but I will say that this has more than significantly impacted the Circle of Film Awards as they stand now. So definitely makes it onto the Best Picture nominee list. Um, Krasinski is on there for director. Emily Blunt is in there for lead actor. Millicent Simmons for supporting. Uh, Krasinski, as well as the two people he shares screenwriting credit with, are in for screenplay at the moment. Um, it's in there for score. The score is fantastic. For a movie that's quiet, you have to utilize the silence, but then the film knows just when to not worry about the silence and to to Im- include its score and to include like a sound and music and, and uh, noise in the background, something to just energize the scene and, and give you this sense of dread that you probably already felt. Uh, so the score is also pretty fantastic. It's really good, and uh, tactile effects, definitely. Primarily, it's in that category for its sound. The sound editing, sound mixing of this film, considering it's a a relatively silent film, is really impressive. The production design looks great. I never for a moment didn't believe we were on a farm in the middle of, like, I don't know, like, middle PA, maybe, or Ohio or something. I don't know exactly where they were. I, maybe they say it in the movie, but I didn't catch it. Uh, the makeup and hairstyling is fine. It, it doesn't do anything particularly special. The creatures are uh, not practical, so they don't really count on this side of the things. And then costume design, again, is fine, but nothing particularly special. The special effects are good. They're quite good. I was surprised. I would exp- I thought they would be a little less believable, but I was pretty bought into the CGI and the animation of the creatures. There's a few scenes where you get them close up, a few scenes where they're um, in close proximity to human characters, and <clears throat> I didn't you know, I wasn't able to see the seams. I thought they were pretty pretty solid, pretty well made, and uh, that's impressive. The editing is great, and the cinematography is good. It's it's a well-shot, well-produ- well-produced, well-good-looking look- movie. And then it also makes it in for best scene. So my the best scene to me in this movie was... Uh, there's a pretty extended sequence that involves all the characters, and a lot of them are in different situations and in different places in the movie. Or not in the movie, but in, in the world. And I'm just picking out the Emily Blunt part of that sequence. It involves a nail. So if you've seen the movie, you're I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about. But that whole sequence, just from Emily Blunt's perspective, is terrifying. It showcases perhaps the best part of her performance uh, in it. And I was just on edge for that entire, I don't know, five-minute 
including like the other characters getting their side of things. Five to ten minute sequence. And really, that moment is what sparks the final part, like half of the second half of the movie. We go from everything involving the nail to the whole farm being overrun. And so everyone who wasn't on the farm has to get back to the farm and figure out who's still alive. And that's that's gene. what's genius about this movie is you don't know who's alive. You can't call for help or the creatures will find you first. You can't... Uh, you, you just... You, you don't know how to come to terms with the the unfortunate uh, you know debilitating situation that you're in because you're not able to really get anything done you 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 want to like like we learn early on that the creatures are like armored they they're difficult they don't really have much much of a weakness if any so you can't like just hack them up you can't stab them you can maybe shoot them but guns make a lot of noise uh so like i don't living in that world like what are you supposed to do you have to hide and if you're hiding no one else is going to be able to find you and if they can't find you they don't know if you're alive and if they don't know if you're alive then they don't know the best way to proceed because you can't possibly operate at any point with all the information. There's a moment where Krasinski and Blunt are together and neither of them knows if the kids are alive and they can't like call out for the kids and the kids could have been like in the next room over and they would have no idea because no one's making it. It's just, it's, it's really well made. That's what I'm trying to say. It's just really well made and it, it looks great and it, Sounds great, and it's terrifying. Uh, so, one last thing I wanted to bring up before we get out of here. There are not going to be any spoilers today's episode, but one last thing I wanted to talk... There's two moments in the movie where one where a character screams. Uh, both characters scream, and because they screamed, they are killed. The first time it happens, I was less than enthusiastic. I thought not only did the scream seem eh and, and not so so great, but I also felt that the reasons behind the scream were less than stellar. I think uh, at that point, I think we were like over a year into a world where these creatures exist. So we get these little time cards. Like the first scene is like, 90 days in, and then the rest of the movie takes place a year after that, give or take. And the so we've already spent a year here. And the first scream that happens, I, I get that the person who screams was in a position where they felt like they needed to release energy and anguish, and they couldn't go on. But I still felt like, I, I just, I really didn't buy it. And maybe it was because I felt the scream was kind of weak and, and it didn't sound like anguished enough. It felt like, if, I wanted the scream to, and in that circumstance, the scream should have felt pained and desperate. And I thought it felt very bland and uh, banal. 
So I had I I didn't like that scene in general. I felt there were problems there. The second time it happens, uh, it's and I t- I talked to my girlfriend about this. She did not like the second scream, but liked the first one. And I'm in completely the opposite camp. I liked the second one. I thought the second scream was better executed, sounded better given the circumstance. It was effective because it was, from my perspective, the the second scream needed to be long. It needed to grab attention. It was a distraction scream. And I think that that was successful. I thought that it came across authentic and I don't know if you've seen the movie if you remember the screams I'm sure if you felt like you didn't like one of them I'd be curious to know which one you felt sounded better and more natural as a scream I'm curious because I personally I'm I'm in scream 2 scream 2 over the original scream not the movies but you know what I mean uh yeah, so A Quiet Place is a great horror movie and a great movie. And I think we should all go see it. And I think it's, every, I think everyone is going to see it. I think it's going to do really well in the box office. I think, I don't know if there's going to be more movies from this world. I don't necessarily need any more. I don't think that there's much more the, the format could offer us. Uh, but I mean, I guess it could be wrong, but I think that it's it's a shtick a little bit, and I think the shtick is a little played out already. So I would find a lot of problems. I don't know. I feel like we would just kind of be retreading the same ground if we had a sequel or a prequel or whatever. Uh, but other than that, I think Krasinski is definitely someone to watch as a director, uh, for sure. I think Emily Blunt does fantastic work in this movie. Millicent Simmons, I'm so excited to see her again in a movie. Um, it, it'll be... I, I'm really curious to see what she does next. I hope she continues to act. Obviously, it does kind of... She's going to kind of... She's kind of pigeonholed because you she is deaf... And that really limits the the breadth of characters that she can she can play. But I hope hope that it doesn't uh, diminish her. I don't know what the term I'm looking for here is. It doesn't diminish her availability, accessibility, or or something to that effect. I, I don't want it to reduce the the amount of. Uh, the amount of um, man, my my, it's early. It's really early <laughs> for me. Uh, I I just don't want that to prevent her from getting roles. And and I think that most roles, you know, can definitely be reinterpreted through the perspective of someone who is deaf. And you know, I don't know how much of an impact that is on her life as a person like I don't know if that means she can't talk chooses not to talk doesn't want to talk um, if you know she can read lips and those sorts of things I don't know but 
I, I really want to see more from her because I think she's great. She was really good in Wonderstruck. She's really good in this. And it's it's all good. Everybody's good. Noah Jupe, the, the, the older son, um, is also pretty good. He was he was fine in Wonder, but he has a fantastic, like, snivelly, terrified face, uh, which is perfect for this movie. So, loved that. So that's A Quiet Place. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you want to get in touch, uh, you can email or tweet uh, circleoffilm at gmail.com or at circleoffilm. Always interested in top movie lists from a person. Uh, just about one movie away right now from finishing up Kyle's top 250 movies. Um, the last one is Serenity, so I do have to kind of watch Firefly first. So that's taking me a little longer. And if you would like to check out the website, circlefilm.com, you can head over there for all the old episodes, plenty of other information and stats as well. And if you would like to support the show, you can do that uh, on Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash circle of film. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same goodnight. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be the same adieu. In the name of love, one night in the name of love. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So